This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Clean Cause. Do you need a healthier option for a quick boost? Grab a Clean Cause organic herba mate and get your day going with 160 milligrams of better caffeine that won't cause the crashes, the jitters like coffee and other energy drinks might do. You can choose from eight flavors of their sparkling herba mate, uh, or you can try out the newly launched non-carbonated Clean Cause Herba Mates that are so good as well. So uh, the best part, here it is, right here. I love I love saying this every time. Uh, every sip makes a difference in the fight against addiction, but Clean Cause donates 50% of net profits to support individuals in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. So not only do you get a great drink, some all-natural caffeine and some Herba Mate, great taste and beverage, man, you get to help. Uh, support individuals in recovery. So what a, what a great thing right there. Here's what you can do. Head on over to cleancause.com. You can get 20% off your order with promo code SOBERGUY. That's cleancause.com. Enter the promo code SOBERGUY at checkout and save 20%. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Ramey. You're listening to that Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here today. You can find more podcasts, more resources. You can also contact us by going to thatsoberguy.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. All the links from today's show will be in the show notes. Man, I'm just like jamming today. <laughs> Want to check out some humans music? If you like the intro, I do get a lot of emails about, man, what's your intro? It's humans music out of Canada. Awesome dudes. Robbie's a good homie of mine. Love that guy. Our guest today is Ken Middleton. Been waiting to have Ken on for a minute here, so it's great to uh, to finally connect with him. Uh, Ken gave up alcohol on November 10th, 2018. And his mission has been to help others realize how alcohol is holding them back in their own lives. He started the Medium publication, Alcohol is Not Your Friend, in May of 2020, and is the author of the book, Bamboozled, How Alcohol Makes Fools of Us All, which exposes the subtle tactics and traps of alcohol and the alcohol industry. And it also gives the readers some tools to help overcome all of that. So, uh, Ken, it's great to have you on the podcast, my friend. How are you? Awesome, Shane. Thank you, man. You said I've yeah. been waiting a long time, man. I've been following you for a while. So it's awesome to be on your podcast. The things you do for the community is uh, it goes without saying, man. So I appreciate you having me. Oh, man. Yeah. Th- thanks so much for that. I appreciate you uh, following the show. And yes, I-, I mean that. It's great to finally connect. Uh, you just had your book. Uh, well, you're about to have your book. I know you just got a bunch of boxes full of it. So that's exciting yeah. stuff. Um, you know, let's uh, well, first of all, where are you from again? Uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, down okay, in the nice. south. Yeah, nice man, nice. Uh, my my buddy Buddy uh, is actually out out from uh, from Georgia, man, and just a, just a great dude. I haven't been able to be out there uh, myself yet. The closest I've been is, let's see, I guess Tennessee. Pretty pretty close. Okay, there. yeah, it's right there, three hours there. away. Yeah. Dude, you got to get down to Atlanta, man. It's a great city. I think people sleep on it all the time. It is hot here. I will yeah. tell you that. <laughs> That's one thing. But I've uh, heard. but it's a beautiful city, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. So. Um, maybe maybe we start with giving the listeners a little bit of background about yourself. Obviously, I gave a, a very very brief in the, yeah. in the intro, but tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and um, what's going on today. 
Yeah, I'll just share with you kind of my journey. Like when I first wrote uh, in the book, uh, the uh, publication Medium, the story around why I stopped drinking, I think is very uh, important to understand. And it relates to the book in general. So just to give you a 10,000 foot view, and I don't go all the way back to my childhood, but I started drinking. I was 19. And Shane, I was just like most people. I started drinking because all of my college Recording peers were in doing progress. it. Right? All of my college peers were drinking. So therefore, I thought that was what I was supposed to do. Um, and in college, it's, I was probably a quintessential teenager in the sense that had anxiety, um, was nervous around females, uh, didn't want to dance in front of people, right? And someone has said, hey, man, you need to relax a little bit. Why don't you drink this beer and and you can it'll make you feel so much better. Mm-hmm. So I started drinking and lo and behold, was it exactly what everyone said it could be right in the sense that it made me everything like and I tell people all the time. It wasn't that I was shy growing up or I was like, you know, like nerve, like nervous around all the time, but I just wasn't the coolest guy in the room. But when I drink. I became the guy I always thought I was, right? I was able to go talk to females. I was able to dance and didn't care. I was the guy that was super funny. So you start drinking and it creates this version of yourself that you think you are. Fast forward to me going into sales, right? And I tell anyone, if college is your undergrad in drinking, getting into the sales industries is your master's because (laughs) dude, it ratchets it up tremendously, right? So fast forward and progress Shane to my sales career, I'm in sales. And as you know, part of you being successful in sales is schmoozing your clients, Mm -hmm. taking them out, happy hours, dinners, drinks. So not only was the drinking something that I was doing because I was liking, it was something I was doing and having success with it. So as the years go by and I'm drinking and I'm experiencing positive results from doing it, I never look at my drinking as there being any issues. I decide to leave in 2017 to start my my former company, to start my own company. And I tried entrepreneurship. Every day I'm getting up, I'm working 70, 80 hours a week trying to be successful. And I tried my hardest, but Shane, I was not being successful. It was anyone that's tried entrepreneurship knows it's really, really hard. I know you know doing your own thing. You're everything. You're the marketer. You're you're the uh, accountant. You're HR. You're everything. And it was just a lot of work. And I said to myself, um, and I was telling my girlfriend at the time, now wife, if I go back to corporate America, I wanted to look in the mirror and say, I had given it my all. And I had always knew that drinking, even though my life was successful, I was making good money. I never thought I had a drinking problem, but I always knew when I drink, I wasn't given the next day 100%. It was 70%, 80% hungover. It was just not a good thing. And I said, yeah. if I go back to corporate America, I want to at least say, I know I gave it a thousand percent. So I'm going to not drink for 90 days and we'll see what happened. And then at the end of the 90 days, if everything's the same, nothing better, I'm going to go back to drinking. But if there is, we'll, we'll look at it. Shane, in those 90 days, I made more money than I made in the complete uh, nine months of the year, right? Wow. In nine months. It was insane. I mean, and I'm not talking about a little bit more money. I'm talking about three times, four times more money in a shorter part of time. So it's a big deal. And from that, I started to educate myself and honestly started listening to podcasts like yours, Any Grace's This Naked Mind. William Porter, reading the books, I started to educate myself on drinking and alcohol and what it does. And what I recognized from scientifically understanding what it does to you that 
everyone thinks that alcohol, if you, the only way you're hurt by alcohol, if you're an alcoholic, at least that was my thought, yeah. right? Either there was two dichotomies, you're drinking, you're fine, which I thought I was, or you're an alcoholic, you don't need to drink at all. I thought as long as I drink and I was fine, I was okay. I didn't realize there was this spectrum that we're all on. And even though we're not alcoholics, we're still hindering our ability to live a full life because of alcohol. And that is why I started writing my um, publication, Alcohol is Not Your Friend, Ain't because I tell people it's not about how terrible your life can be because you drink alcohol. That's not what I'm preaching. What I'm preaching is how great your life can be if you're willing to give up alcohol and see w- the type of person you can become. Yeah. And that's why I started Ain't That's why I wrote the book Bamboozled. And the purpose of why I'm here today is just to educate the world on there's a better version of themselves without alcohol. They just have to give a 90 day chance, a challenge to see if they can come out. Oh, I love it, man. You, you, you described that so very well. So thank you for that. And, uh, I, I've and I, I've said this many times before, but I'll continue to say it. I've never heard anybody ever say my habitual drinking habits have really improved my life. <laughs> have you ever heard anybody say that? <laughs> I mean, never. No, I have not, my yeah. good man. And that, yeah, and, but people don't look at it. They don't think yeah. about it, Shane. Yeah. It's like as long as their life is fine and they're not in the gutter, they're not doing anything crazy they don't think that their drinking is a major issue. And that was part of why I wrote my book is because I love Annie Grace. I love William Porter, uh, Craig Beck, all of those individuals, their books are great. But if you look at them and you read them, a lot of times it tells the story of how Don Trout and their life was or how they recognized that they hit a rock bottom. And I remember when I was reading those books, Shane, I would read them and be like, well, I don't really see myself in those people. So I felt like I wanted to write a book that more people could see themselves in the, in the pages of the literature. So, so that's a great segue into this first point, I think. And and I'd love to have you elaborate more on it. You don't have to hit rock bottom to realize that alcohol is not working for you. So tell us a little bit about that. What's your thoughts? Yeah. So for me, so I tell people all the time that for me, the reason I think it was important for me to give up alcohol is honestly, though, and it's funny, we just joked about it, but my life was a little bit too good with alcohol. Like, man, dude, I have (laughs) some fun. I have some stories. I mean, there. I can't think that, of course, there was stupid stuff I did that made my yeah. life terrible or uh, was stupid. But there was a lot of good that came from alcohol. And like to and, and here's the thing. You look at those around you if you want to consider if you had a problem. So when I was looking at my peers, the people that I were working with, Shane, they were drinking as much as or more than I was. And some of them were either as successful as I was or even more successful. So as I'm looking at my peers, I'm looking at them, they're doing so well. I'm thinking, well, if they drink and they're doing well in life, then I shouldn't even think about looking at my drink because there's nothing going on. And that's the way a lot of us think. A lot of us look at as long as externally things are going well, then everything's fine. Through science and understanding how alcohol or studying alcohol and how it physiologically affects you, what I recognize is that we're all on a course. If we're not careful, we're all on a course to potentially become an alcoholic over time. It's just the reality of it. Like the way alcohol works with the endorphins and the dinorphins, right? When you drink, endorphins are released. It makes you feel good. And that's why you, you get those pheromones. And that's what part of what makes you want to party, right? 
your body, because it always wants to get the homeostasis, then says, holy shit, Ken, you're up here for whatever reason, artificially. We need to get you back to baseline. It releases the endorphins, so that brings you back down. You drink some more after two or three beers, endorphins go up again. Your body says, let's get you back to homeostasis. It goes back down cycle over and over and over you extrapolate that over 10 15 20 years what happens your body gets used to endorphins your body gets used to your body creating artificial endorphins or the alcohol doing it so you lose your ability to create endorphins you're on your own and eventually the only time you could feel good and this is where alcoholism comes into play is when you're drinking. That is what does it, right? So I tell people, even though you feel like your life is okay, if you keep drinking, you're going to eventually put yourself in a situation where you become an alcoholic. Now, the other side scientifically is, even though there have been studies about how alcohol could prolong your life, we've got to the point that that's just not the truth. Your sleep is affected because of your drinking, right? I tell people all the time, I had no, it's so funny, Shane, I did make the connection that when I woke up at two or three o'clock in the morning and I couldn't go back to sleep, I didn't make the connection just because I had been drinking three or four hours earlier and the alcohol, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I didn't make that connection, right? Still in my body. Your sleep is so much better without drinking. Exercise, right? As far as muscle mass and gain and losing weight is so much better when you're not drinking. Your ability to eat better foods and to digest foods is better when you're not drinking. Anxiety. A lot of people drink because they have anxiety and they feel like the alcohol makes them better. It makes them feel better. It may make them feel better in the moment, but long-term alcohol makes you more anxious versus less anxious. And it decreases or takes away your ability to to deal with your emotions on your own. And the biggest thing I tell people where you don't want, you don't have to hit rock bottom to be negatively affected is that if you drink what, even if you never become an alcoholic, right? Cause there's a lot of people that do it, that never even reach that, that level. Right. But if you drink alcohol becomes a perpetual crutch for you, a perpetual crutch. Yeah. And what that crutch does, it doesn't allow you to build the emotional fortitude to handle issues on your own and be the person you can be. So you have a bad day at work. You come home and drink. You get in an argument with your spouse. You go and drink. Something bad happens in your life. You want to forget about it. You drink. Instead of saying, I'm not going to drink. I had a bad day at work. Let me assess why I had a bad day at work. Let me understand, is there something I should do and change my life to have a better day at work? That Let's say you go, um, you have an argument with your wife. Instead of just drinking and trying to forget it, how do I assess why did I have this argument with my wife or my spouse? What can I do differently? Let me sit in that emotion and let me deal with it. You go to a networking event. You grab a beer because you want to be relaxed. The more you do that, the more you're always going to be need that beer as opposed to going to that networking event on your own. Be a little awkward at first, but you build the emotional fortitude and the ability to then deal with that anxiety. And eventually that anxiety goes away. So it's around alcohol doesn't allow us. And I tell people all the time, alcohol, in my opinion, is the great governor of life. And what I mean, governor by a car, a, a vehicle governor, it keeps just like a UPS truck or maybe a school bus. It keeps the your car going a certain speed. It can't go any higher. 
What alcohol does is it puts a cap on our life where we our life might not be terrible, but there's going to be a ceiling that alcohol puts on top of us. Yeah. And the only way we can bust through that ceiling is we remove it. So that's why I tell people, even though you don't become an alcoholic, you shouldn't have to hit rock bottom to understand that your, your life is always negatively affected because of the effects of it. Yeah. So, man, so much good stuff there. I would highly advise and recommend those listening Man, uh, run that back about eight minutes and listen to that again. And uh, and and and, and uh, we we got plenty of stuff to chop up. So make sure you go on Instagram. I'll be tagging Ken in there, and we'll, we'll use some of the um, the explanations and info that he just dropped on here, which is huge uh, in some reels and some other stuff as well. Um, let's let's uh, let's switch uh, switch gears here and talk a little bit about. Um, those who maybe want to quit, they're trying to quit. Maybe they want to go 30 days. You hear a lot of people go, man, well, why can't you just do that? Why can't you just quit? Like use willpower. Like, okay, well, <laughs> will, willpower doesn't always work. And so um, what about some different routine substitutions? What are some things that uh, you would recommend to somebody out there listening right now that goes, man, I want to quit for 30 days or 60 yeah. days, or I just want to see what life is like without alcohol for a little bit. Love it, man. Love it. So for, first of all, I mean, if you can do 30 days, that's better than nothing. I'll take that. But I tell anybody I have a, a, a bamboozle B90 challenge. I, I challenge anyone to do 90 days because 30 days is good and you'll get a good taste of it. But you don't really start to see the exponential effects and the compounding effects until you take 90 days. But as far but you hit the nail on the head, though, Shane. don't try to do it by yourself. Don't try to do it with willpower. Don't try to just be like, well, I'm just not going to drink. No, 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 no. It is very challenging because of a lot of different things in regards to our society and how drugs is, is put in so many different things in regards to what we see every day that the way you're going to have to quit. I, there, I have this techniques in the book is called the meds, M-E-D-S. And it walks the reader through a specific methodology and approach to stopping drinking. And I think it, in my opinion, it works because it gives you practical things to do to take away that craving that makes a difference. And it gives you the education because what has to take place first is a change in your mind for you to understand why you're making the decision. So the MED stands for this, M-E-D-S. M stands for mechanical reengineering. And what that all is about, uh, Shane, is about starting to read about alcohol and what alcohol does for you. What changed it for me is my wife and I were taking an international trip. One of it was, I think it was our first. Yeah, it was our first ever international trip together. So we're taking an international trip, seven hour plane flight. I I had probably I may have been three weeks sober by that time, right? Three weeks, what I call alcohol conscious. I was pretty new into drinking, maybe two weeks actually, because it was during Christmas, I mean, during Thanksgiving. And um, I got the book, This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. And mind you, before that time, Shane, the reason I wasn't drinking is because I was like, oh, I didn't want to have a hangover and I want to have a better day, right? It was about being, being more focused. When I read This Naked Mind, Annie Grace, and I understand the endorphin and dinorphins and how it could potentially lead to what I think is called hedomia, where you eventually cannot get happy. This is what alcoholics have because you're so used to drinking that the only time you can get an endorphin is when you've been drinking. When I learned about my sleep and how it affects your way, your body cannot get restful sleep and how important it is. And when I learned about how it affects your anxiety. I educated myself on all the scientific and physiological ways 
that alcohol affects me. So I tell people, start by reading books about alcohol, read what alcohol does to you and, and, and ingrain it. And then I often tell people, it's interesting, Shane, initially, don't stop drinking. You can if you want to. I, I would love for you to. But if you at first don't stop drinking because I want you to educate yourself and then I want you to observe are these things happening to you? Do you feel these things? A lot of times people, it's weird. People will go out and drink, have a good night and party, go to sleep, wake up in the morning and they're super anxious. Mm -hmm. And it's just natural feeling because your body, because it was so used to using alcohol to, to cover your anxiety, when it goes away, then your body anxiety comes back even stronger. So just all the ways that alcohol affects you negatively, I want people to be it and, and see it and understand it. And the question, is it happening to me so they can see how it affects them? E stands for exercise commitment. Now, this is where we get into the routines. The first thing you're going to notice when you stop drinking, I'm sure you probably did, you, uh, for me, it was crazy. How much more time you have on your hand? I was like, like, what was I doing with all of this time? Like, it was insane. It, like, I, I, like, I had no idea how much time I was spending drinking, right? It was a lot, hours and upon hours. So you're going to need something to take place at that time. And there's very few things better than exercise. It helps from a practical standpoint because you need something else to do to take your mind off of drinking. But two, it helps um, scientifically with reducing your cravings. Very few things can create dopamine in the same artificial way as alcohol. Exercise is one of those things that you can do that can also give you that pheromone high that you would get from alcohol. So when you're used to getting those endorphins, by giving exercise, you can give your body something that it's used to so it's not craving alcohol as much. And then my thing with exercise, I think it's very pragmatic because I think oftentimes the outer representation can be an inner representation of what happened to you. And I think there's very few better motivators when someone comes up to you and be like, man, Shane, you look great. Your skin looks good. You look leaner. You look cut. What's going on? By you not drinking and by you exercising and starting to represent the outside of the cleanliness that you have on the inside, I feel like it's that little extra motivator to mentally give you the thought of, all right, I don't want to give this up because look at all these compliments I'm having. Yeah. D stands for diet improvement. And the reason diet improvement is important because exercise without diet, sometimes you're not going to see the results. And then with diet, there are certain foods, green foods, vegetables that gives you folate that increase, decreases the cravings. So, so once again, the pragmatic aspect of things, eating greens and vegetables, the folate in it, the B1s helps decrease your cravings, which is another way that makes you feel better to give you a tactic to not want to drink or not desire to drink. And then the last thing, and this is the most important, I say all the time, um, Shane, it's called success seeking S. And why this one is important is because just like I shared with you before, the I believe alcohol is the great governor of life. It puts a ceiling on you that stops you from reaching your full potential. Your alcohol, con your sobriety or what I refer to as alcohol consciousness, you're conscious of how alcohol is affecting you. If you made the decision that you're not going to drink because you're conscious of the negative effects it has on your life, alcohol consciousness. When you decide to live that life, you've given yourself a gift. That gift now is giving you the ability to do some amazing things in the world. Now, you can take your sobriety and sit on the couch and watch Netflix all day and just not do anything with it. 
or you can do something amazing that you know your pre-alcohol conscious self could not do because that would give you like a little extra motivator or a little extra something to hold on to to say, man, look at what I'm doing now that I never could have been doing when I was drinking I never want to go back to drinking because I would lose what I have now, right? For me, it was to learn Korean. My wife is Korean and I, there's no way. I mean, I always looked at Chinese and Japanese characters and was like, this is ridiculous. Who does this? And now I can, I, I'm not fluent, but I can speak some, some Korean. I'm learning. Yeah. Never would have been able to do it because of the mental cognition it takes to learn that, right? So I call it the wallet analogy, the reason this is so important. And the wallet analogy I actually got from my man, Jeff Graham from Back to Zero um, podcast. He he shared this with me and I'll always give him credit because I thought it was so perfect. The wallet analogy is this. If you're walking down a sidewalk and some big dude comes up to you and he's like, yo, give me your wallet, right? Big dude, you don't know if the guy has a gun. You don't know if he has a wife. Yeah. He's just a big dude, right? And you're like, I could fight this guy. <laughs> I probably lose. So I don't know if I want to do that. Right. And I'm like, my wallet, there's nothing in your wallet. Your wallet is you just brought it's a $10 wallet. You got it from Walmart. Not a big deal. There's nothing. So nine times out of 10, you're like, here, man, here's my wallet. What? what? It's not worth it. Right. It's not. He might have a gun. He might have a knife. He might just beat you up. Here's a $10 wallet. I'm not worried about it. Right now. Let's on the flip side. You're walking down the street. Same big dude comes up with you. Yo, give me your wallet. Now, this wallet you've had for 10 years. It had pictures of your wife, your family. You got a bunch of money in it. Your credit cards are in it. Your driver's license. You got a lot of stuff in this wallet that you're not going to be easily. It's going to be hard to replace. So you're going to look at this dude and you're going to say, all right, could he kick me, kick my ass? Maybe. But am I willing to let go of this wallet so easily? That's what success seeking do. Success seeking, it makes you invest in yourself which packs your wallet with valuables. So when something comes to your life, this this parable, big analogous, big man or big person comes and tries, whether it's a bad day at work, whether it's, you know, going through something typical in life, like a death in your family, this, so all those different things that often make people relapse in life. When that comes, you'll look at the success seeking and how much you've invested in yourself and you put in your wallet or your purse. And you're like, you know what? You can take, you can, you can try to take it from me, but- I got too much invested now that I can't let it go just that yeah. easily. Yeah, I, I, I love that analogy. And uh, I kind of have a fun uh, caveat to that one that I'd like to ask you. So yeah, yeah. in that situation, how are you taking that big man down? I'm, I'm throat punching <laughs> him personally. I'm hitting him what, right what in you? the throat. Like that, you're <laughs> done real quick. Dude, I, listen, I, <laughs> listen, I'd be honest, man. I was a runner in high school. I would probably be like, I'm out, dude. I, I'm not, I'm not going to fight you, dog. Yeah, no, listen, I'm I was watching, like you saw the baseball fight. I know it's a little bit of an analogy, but you saw the baseball fight that happened maybe a day ago. Yeah, where, with Tim Anderson. Tim yeah. Anderson. Yep. And Tim Anderson squares up like he's ready yep. to go. The other guy, I swear to God, the guy didn't even look and His he head caught him with down. a sucker punch. So funny. I saw that. You too. can be a good fighter and you yep. still can get knocked out because yep. sometimes it's just luck, man. So anytime yep. I cannot fight, I will not fight unless I, I absolutely have to. I love it. I just I just told my my boy, uh, you know, because we worked out on the heavy bag yesterday and he was said, well, come on, dad, I need you to help me. Like, you know, get he wanted to work some some jabs and get his right. skills up. And I was explaining to him that same thing, you know, like the first thing you need to do is avoid the fight. Like you don't need to fight. fight. Like you just need to get out of there and say, okay, man, I don't have time to waste with, with punks like you, you know, and, and, and we get get out of there. You don't need to fight, you know, Mm -hmm. but obviously 
God forbid we ever got to defend ourselves. We want to be able to at least have a chance, right? But, yeah, you want to be ready yeah. to go. But now, dude, listen, I, I, think, I think the last time I fought, I was 19 years old. So if I, I don't know yeah. what I would do. Oh, man. 42-year-old Shane trying to fight. I mean, man, oh, I, God. I, I hope that never <laughs> happens, man. Yeah, nah, man. Uh, don't want to come to that. No doubt. Yeah, th this this is great, man. L lots of good stuff here. Um, let's uh let's let's kind of talk a little bit. Um, how are we doing on time here? Okay, so we're we're still we're still good for a minute. Um, let's talk a little bit about the alcohol industry. Um, we we just mentioned yeah. baseball, the, the fight uh, the other day, which was crazy. Um, crazy. but you you go to a game. Uh, I know I went to a, a Niner game last year. It was the first one I had been to. A friend of mine had some tickets. Man, we had a great time, but just, you know, and, and not just the Niners, but any NFL, any major league sports game, even the minor games, all everywhere we go, there's alcohol. It's all everywhere. over the place. So the alcohol industry does um, a, a very large scale effort in advertising and um, making alcohol uh, very relevant um, in some you know, in some spaces trying to make it look cool. Um, yeah. What are some of those, uh, those tactics, those traps that the alcohol industry uses uh, to kind of subvert us into thinking um, it's so normal just to drink all the time? Well, the, the reality is, and I, I wrote, there's a chapter in the book specifically about this. We are primed at a very young age to think alcohol is what we should do as an adult in our life, what we're supposed to do and what all the cool people do. Yeah. If you think about when you're growing up and you look at your parents and you see it, like almost any function that we have these days, Shane, bridal shower, birthdays, what, what, whatever, they always involve baby showers, some type yeah. of alcohol in some way sometimes, which is sad, but it's just the reality of it. Then, and this is the real culprit that I think people, you know, I don't know if there's anything we can do about it, but I think just identifying it and recognizing it can make a difference. The media, television, if yeah. you watch, I talk about it, movies and television shows. Because my wife and I, we before we stopped drinking, we didn't notice it. After we stopped drinking, we were like, holy shit, you're right. W just watch any show that's on television, any show, yeah. and watch how many of them have dinner or some type of eating lunch or whatever. And they always sit down. The wife has a glass of wine and the husband has a beer on all like all of them all the time. Like, and I question myself because the reality is this because they make it seem like everybody's doing it. 60% of people in the United States drink less than one drink a week, one to two drinks a week and less than that, right? If you drink what they used to be was the um, the CDC's recommendation was one to two drinks a day, that will have you drinking 70 to 14 drinks a week, which will have you in the top 20 percentile of people drinking. No one drinks that much, but movies and television shows will make it seem like people are drinking all the time. I always use that and I always talk about that um that scene in which you would have the boss, the big boss is in his office. John would come in talking about the Smith case. Uh, the boss would go and grab his snifter and be like, hey, you you want some Paul Masson at two o'clock in the afternoon? Like <laughs> I've been in the business yeah. industry for a long time. That has never happened to me. Like, where is that happening? Yeah. Where are people drinking hard liquor at 2.30 in the afternoon? Like it's nothing, right? It doesn't really happen, but they want to act like or portray that it does for you to think everybody drinks everybody drinks all the time and you have to drink this the line drink responsibly 
is one of the, the the most intelligent marketing schemes ever because what does that even mean drink responsibly because there's no amount of alcohol on, uh, that really is going to be healthy for you like the canadian um center of disease just proved that right like all that talk about one drink a day can help your heart n- yeah. baloney not true but any if you drink more than one or two drinks right you putting yourself in a dangerous situation so there's no real way to drink responsibly in the sense of you just probably if for health wise long term you shouldn't drink at all so yeah. i just think about the media i think about commercials i think about television shows we just have to be mindful of it um recognize that it's always there and i think as a parent make sure you're telling your kids like hey if you decide to drink it's okay but just understand here are the risks that you put yourself at whenever you decide to do it. Yeah. I, and that's what I want to make people aware of, just the risk. And I don't think they do a good job of that when they are portraying it in the television. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, um, the, the normalcy bias of it. Like, it's kind of what you're getting at, too. It's just, you know, yeah. it's just what you do. It's just what we yeah, do. Everybody right? does it. Yeah, why not? Um, what about uh, you mentioned being in sales? Um, I know like my wife and I back in the day before our kids and stuff when we were still uh, in our, in our younger days, like worked in restaurants and, um, oh, you know, it's it. like, and, and there's also too, there's a lot of, uh, of, of, of people who listen to this show and, uh, and some of my friends, even in the music business, in, um, in the, uh, media business and mm-hmm. they're, they're on the road a lot. They travel a lot. Uh, you know, they're in those in environments where they are out to lunch or out to dinner and there's people drinking, um, any tips or anything you have for, for those folks out there who just kind of have that lifestyle of um, the, the work that they do, alcohol is a, a, a very relevant thing. How do they get how do they get through that? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, Shane. And the, the, listen, the reality is there is going to be a small amount of time in which it will be a little bit challenging for you. Like you just, I just got to be honest there, right? Yeah. Because for you, especially when you're newly sober, right? When you're newly into alcohol consciousness, for you to be around alcohol all the time is going to be hard. You you will find yourself a little bit tempted. So I tell people from a strategy perspective, so I was in sales and I had to go out and do things, networking, stuff like that. Two things. One, you always want to have something in your hand. It's just a strategy that you can implement, right? Because once you have something in your hand, that's part of like your mind. It's a way that it tricks your mind because your 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 mind sometimes just work on muscle memory, right? Yeah. It's just working on what it's used to. It doesn't recognize that you don't have alcohol in your glass. But long as you have something in your hand, I used to drink club soda, Diet Coke, Diet yeah. Pepsi, whatever. Coke Zero is my personal favorite. You're going to be fine, right? Because you just want to drink something. The second part from a strategy perspective is try to have someone there with you that isn't drinking, especially when you're new. Now, once you get more mature and you've been doing it for a while, it won't matter. It'll go away. But when you're first and you're newly into it, I would just try to have a buddy who could be there with you that you know isn't going to drink. So you're at least not 100% tempted with everyone trying to get you to drink. Those are the strategies that really, really work for me. But my biggest thing, Shane, is that I tell people there because I was lucky that when I was doing it, I was still doing sales, but it wasn't out having dinner with people. And the other thing I did, this is the, the, the great point from a strategy perspective, you're used to doing happy hours and dinners because you were drinking and you felt like you had to. Now that you're not drinking, you don't have to do happy hours and dinners anymore. You can do other things. So for me, what started happening is I started doing more creative things with my customers as opposed to 
falling back on the the, the kind of lazy happy hour. Instead, I wanted to know, hey, what do you like to do? One of my managers I went rock climbing with. Another of my managers I just we went and played tennis. Like we, I started doing different things to build a relationship with them that involves something other than drinking. In which, surprisingly enough, it turned into me b- building, if not at least deep as deep as or deeper relationships because we're actually doing things and I can remember what the conversations we're having. So the bond became a little more real and a little stronger than it was when we just went out and drank yeah. all the time. Yeah. That's, that's a great, uh, that's a great thought there too. And a great plan um, having somebody. And if you don't have anyone in person, at least have somebody you can call, you could text, you could yeah. reach out to like Im- immediately, you know, have, have yeah. that person on hand. Um, I know uh, to uh, your point, a buddy of mine, Dan, was out there, uh, and if it's uh, Dan is uh, from If I'm Being Honest uh, podcast. Great, dude! I have to connect you guys. Actually, be be great be awesome. on there. And uh, but he, <clears throat> excuse me, he came out uh, from New Jersey, and we spent some time together, and we were, we were working on um, some things. And you know, I think about back in the day what we would have done. We we would have went and got food if both of us still drank. You know, we got food, sat at the bar, and drank and whatever. No, we worked, and then it was like, man. He was training. He's training for a triathlon right now. I said, "Man, let's go on a run." We so so we ran. Man, we hiked up a hill. We talked. We hung out. We built this common um, uh, friendship, you know, and able to talk about stuff on a real level versus going and just throwing back beers on some surface level, just BSing about stuff that doesn't matter, you know. So th- those types of things. That's a that's a great uh, great idea, and I love that. Dude, Shane, I'll tell you one thing else too in regards to that. What will happen when you go down this row is that you're going to have either two groups of friends, right? You're going to have the ones that stick with you and you're going to have the ones that are going to go by the wayside. And the reason those are going to go by the wayside, it's not because they're bad people. It's not because there's uh, that, 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 you know, you're any better than them in any capacity. It will be because your friendship was based on surface level stuff. Yeah. I hadn't, I didn't recognize how much, how many of my friendships that I thought like were my boys, and like a lot of them are still my friends. I still, some yeah. of my guys are still my friends, but our relationship was built on surface level stuff. And when I didn't want to go out and just hang at the bar and talk about nothing for three to four hours. Yeah. They didn't have time for me anymore to do some of the things that I wanted to do, which is cool. Nothing wrong with that. But on the flip side, I started to develop even deeper relationships with those who are wanting to have deeper level conversations, open to be more being more emotional and revealing themselves. That's the thing about drinking with guys. And I really think guys need to take a closer look for guys. It doesn't allow us to look at our emotions when you're sober, you're alcohol conscious. You really can look at yourself and be vulnerable and be honest with yourself, and it's allowed me to have much yeah. deeper relationships. Yeah, I, I think that that is that's such a great point too because I know I didn't know I didn't know who I was. Like I was mm-hmm. thirty two years old, Shane Raymer, like no clue who I was. So lost, you know. And I'm still finding out who I am daily. You know, that's a daily right. growth thing, and I hope that happens continuously as I, life goes on. But um, the numbing aspect of consistently drinking. Is, does not allow you the ability to grow and to learn about who you are, to learn about what you genuinely like, to feel, to genuinely feel stuff. I mean, that's why I drank. I didn't want to feel stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's when, it. when we talk about being the best version of yourself, um, y- you can't really do that if you're consistently poisoning your body, like period. <laughs> um, 
Any thoughts on that? Like being the best version of self? Uh, I know exercise and fitness is a huge part for you as it is for me. I know that plays into that. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? That's it, my man. This, so you, it's impo- it is impossible. And the other thing, so there's two things. One, because I, I, I always want to be clear here, because I, I, I want people to understand my view on drinking. I don't demonize alcohol. I do not. I think there is a place and time for it in your life. As I shared earlier, I got some stories, man, that would have never happened if it wasn't alcohol. And I don't take any of those stories back because it was it was good times, man. Yeah. It was good times. Yeah. But as you get older, once you hit that 40 mark, I say unequivocally, I say that just in the same way, I don't think there's anything wrong with people drinking alcohol at some point in their, their life. I also think... I think everyone should stop drinking at the age of 40. You shouldn't drink past 40 because what you're giving up is not worth what you're getting back in return. And the reality is when you talk about like as we, we grow up, man, I mean, I think it's funny. I was talking to someone the other day and I don't remember who it was. And we were just talking about me not drinking. Oh, yeah, the lady at the um, SPS store. And I was like, you know what's funny, Teresa? She's an awesome lady. I was like, even though when I stopped drinking, I was 38 years old, I don't think I truly grew up until I stopped drinking. Even though I was 38 years old, I still had tendencies that were so childish that I didn't recognize it because yeah. there were emotional things that I would do when I was drinking that when I stopped drinking and I stopped doing those things, I look back on them and I'm like, what a spoiled brat I was. What a little kid. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm a 38 year old kid. And yeah. I recognize I couldn't fully emotionally mature as long as I drink consistently because it just has a way of reverting you back to doing things and thinking in a way that's not a heightened level. The other thing from, and this is why when we talk about success seeking and we talk about the best version of yourself, people don't recognize, I tell people all the time, who you can be with momentum. The thing with alcohol, with drinking, is that it doesn't allow you to gain that momentum. You take two steps forward, one step back. Three steps forward, two steps back. When you drink, it's it's this cha-cha-cha slide of of life is what I call it, the cha-cha-cha slide of life. You're you're going for it, you're going. And what happens, you you, you might be working really hard, but you're not going anywhere. When you take away that governor and you start building that momentum and you start getting the compound growth that you can get exponentially, I would compare it to that movie, with Bradley Cooper, limitless. Mm. Like it's like a different level of mental cognition that you can never get with your drinking. So I tell people, if you want to see who you can become and the and the things you're able to do that even you would amaze yourself, stop drinking and give yourself some time. And I promise you, you will be amazed at the person you'll be three, four, five, six years yeah. from now when you look back. Yeah, amen to that, man. I, I felt that in my gut back in the day. I remember that. I knew that God had something more for my life. And I know there's folks out there listening right now that have that same feeling in them and they know, but you gotta, you gotta block that out because alcohol suppresses that, that emotion, that growth, it, it, all of it. And, and you're so right. The momentum, I just talked about that a couple podcasts ago. That was one of the, the points I hit on for a minute was momentum. Once you get a little bit of time and you start to grow and you start to feel the change, you start to feel the difference. And then you start to, recognize like, man, I'm actually, this is actually, I, I think I might be able to do this. Like, I think mm-hmm. I can do it. And you start to go. 
I'm not saying it, it, that it gets so much easier because we all have days and we have ups and downs, no matter if you're, you're drinking or not, but like the momentum makes it a lot easier as it goes on. And it's, it's exciting to wake up yeah. every day and go, man, what's God got for me today? Like, where am I, what am I going to do today? Like, how, I mean, I feel, I feel good today, man. I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to go on a walk or I'm going to put my heart into my, my work today or my kids or whatever the heck it is, man. Just, um, lots, lots of good stuff can come out of that. So. Um, and, and here's what I tell people, Shane, it gets better with time. Yeah. Just like anything yep. you start doing it, it's going to be like, woo, and it's going to be amazing. And this, that first three months, six months, nine months, even a year, you're going to be on a high and then it's going to level off. It will level off because if anything, homeostasis is going to feel normal. Yeah. But what I tell people, it never completely levels off and you're still rising, you're still growing, you're still getting better, and it gets better with time. So I tell yeah. people, even though you're a year in, you're two years in, you're three years in, you feel great, keep going because it will get better and the stuff you're able to do and who you become will be so much more than what you ever could have thought about. Yeah. I love to say there's a saying by um, Bill Gates, and I tell people all the time, that when you think about success seeking it and what sobriety can do for you in your life, people overestimate what they can do in a year and they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. Mm. Alcohol consciousness and sobriety is the 10 year journey of who you can become and what you can accomplish. And it's some amazing stuff if you give yourself a chance. Yeah, love it, man. Um, all right, we just got a couple of minutes before we wrap up. Uh, I got one last question for you. And then I just wanna talk a little bit about the book, where folks can find it at, uh, any other info you wanna give out on that. Um, if someone right now, uh, they, they wanna, they wanna quit drinking they're exploring that thought in their mind like wh where would you i know you've given a lot of great advice and, and thoughts and experience that you've shared today so thank you for that but where where's somewhere they could start right now yeah i mean i just i say mental education is the first place so go and look for the the quit lit books that are out there i tell anybody any graces this naked mind was the book that changed everything for me when i read that book because i like I'm telling you, Shane, when I stopped drinking, it was never with the intention to not drink again. That was never my, I, it wasn't, it didn't cross my mind. But when I read that book and I learned scientifically all the negative things that alcohol was doing to me that I wasn't privy to, I was like, man, I think this is something I should consider long-term. And I tell people what I want bamboozled to be is I kind of call myself the male Annie Grace, right? I want it to be the male version of this naked mind or for the casual drinker, right? Because yeah. this naked mind, oftentimes it's a little bit of down, like rock bottom, blah, blah, blah. This is more for the casual drinker opportunity for you, education. Here's what you can do. Here's how it's affecting you. Now you make the decision if you want to keep drinking or not. But yeah. education is always the first point for me. Yeah. Great, great point. Um, where could folks find the book? Any more info? And we'll be sure to put all the links and everything in the show notes today. So they're very easy for everyone to find, but any, any last minute words of advice or anything you want to talk about bamboozled before we wrap up? Absolutely. Yeah. Bamboozled, they can find it on my website, the bamboozledbook.com, T-H-E, bamboozledbook.com. You can go there. You can purchase it off Amazon. You can purchase it directly from me because Amazon doesn't take as much money when you purchase it from me. So that's awesome. Um, and if you're interested, because I have, as you saw, Shane, I got a bunch of copies. I'm now sending signed copies. So you can actually purchase a signed autographed copy from me if you so desire. I would greatly appreciate it on my website, thebamboozledbook.com, or you can just purchase at amazon.com. It's there. And it will be in all bookstores, hopefully after August 15th. You should be able to find it, Target, Barnes & Nobles, things of that nature. 
Ken Middleton. It's been a great podcast. Great honor to have you on, man. Appreciate you. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you, Shane. It's been awesome, man. Hope some spoke to you today. Share the podcast with a friend. Connect, connect with us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. Be sure to check out all Ken's links in the show notes. Peace, love, and respect. Keep your blood clean.